Yeah. Trip. Hello. What's going on? Is Ty really on this? Ty is real. Ty's real here. Yeah. Hello, Hello. friend. Hey, how's it going? All right. Nothing. I'm good. Hey. Happy yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're How welcome. was it? Uh, it was good. I went to lunch with my family, came home, did cake and whatnot, and then I watched the Yankees win and Gordon Hayward break his leg. So a yeah. little, little mixed bag at the end. Did Gordon but, Hayward break oh, his oh, leg? Wait, yeah. you didn't see that? No, man. I just walked in a few minutes ago. I've been like doing oh, this God. straight since. Oh, oh my God. God! Yeah, it's a compound. Is it is it compound or uh... ankle, ankle fracture? Something like that. Oh my God! Oh, this yeah. this league just doesn't stop. <laughs> Wait, is it compound or compact when the bone sticks out? Yes. What's that? <laughs> What's that? I think, so, I think that's a yeah, yeah. I think that's a compound. Oh man, he got Travis Weird. Yeah, he got Paul George. Ooh. Oh fuck, man, that sucks. Oh my god. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I knew I should have been watching this yeah. game. Oh, are you recording right now or? Yeah, it just kind of auto records. Um. God damn. Um. Yeah. Any other crazy stuff happen with the league? Is oh, this... oh, you're in Chicago. Did you hear about Bobby Portis and Nikola Meritich? <laughs> I, I did hear that someone on the Bulls got punched in the face in the locker room, but I'm just I'm just catching up. Like I'm basically just scrolling through Twitter and seeing these things. Yeah, yeah. Meritich got got. Bobby Portis, I guess, punched him. It, the report said once, but it might have been multiple times because he's got a couple of fractures in his face and a concussion. Oh, definitely. Like that sounds like a pretty like that's not like what is that? That's a falcon punch, man. Like that's, <laughs> that's not a punch. I can't tell you guys enough how much people out here get hype how hype people get on Bobby Portis out here. Really? Yeah. I mean well, it, it might be dying down a little bit because it's been a while since I've been to a Bulls game, but last time I was there, like it was when he was kinda coming up, uh I guess middle of last season or beginning of the season before or whatever, but yeah, he was uh the people were just chanting his name in the streets, basically. And I know one thing for sure, too. People, they fucking hated Miritich out here. So, I I think if the Cubs win tonight, too, man, there's going to be some happy smiles out in Chicago. Wow. It's crazy. They said it's three years in the making. Like this little rivalry that they've had. Literally since Bobby Portis came into the league. Yeah. Like day one, Miritich just rubbed him the wrong way. All right. Yeah. We, you that, ready to do this? Yeah, I think that's it. I think every. I think we're all caught up. Elsewise. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been like fucking forty five minutes. NBA's best podcast, the Nick Swall podcast, the TKW podcast, 
Thanks everyone for joining us again. We've got Trey Zingas on the line, regular TKW friend. How are you? And we've got TKW writer and also friend, Ty Jordan joining us as well. What's up, Ty? Hey, what's up? It's Ty Jordan, aka definitely not Ty on Twitter, aka uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all the nicknames. He's just Ty Jordan or definitely not Ty on Twitter. Um, and we're going to be hitting you guys with only the quickest Knicks hits from only your favorite podcast. Um, why don't we start off with some breaking news from today? We had some comments come out from Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, you want to read those? Yeah, you can read them. Tell, tell us your thoughts, your reactions, whatever you want. I mean, it, it, it's Shaq. It's Shaq and Phil, right? You got it in front of you? No, okay. Yeah. Um, what do we got? I think Phil uh, I think Phil went wrong in believing the mindset of these players would believe in him and his system for the triangle, said O'Neal, who won three titles with Jackson in Los Angeles. I said many times the triangle worked. Guys have always tried to debate it as of course it worked with Shaq and Kobe and Mike and Scotty, but Carmelo got Porzingis and some role players. I think if they would have bought into the system, it would have been much different. But they never bought into the system. Ugh. Didn't he... What? He said something with millennials, right? There was a oh, quote... Yeah, he said something. Qu- yeah. There was a quote in there. It said... Uh, I think he said that Phil was naive to think that millennials would be willing to adapt to the selfless triangle. Yeah, that was yeah, that was another. What? Shaq's not even a boomer. Like he's Gen <laughs> X. He doesn't. He shouldn't even have this kind of resentment. He's, uh, I don't know. Like I, I think it's. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, he's gonna say like you never played in the league, and we always have that argument. But I think it's just. I mean. It's just a di- like it's just a different league than it was back then, and just things just don't. And they're not the same guys. Like, if, like a twenty, a twenty-one year old, twenty-two year old Porzingis. He's not. He's not even that. He's still twenty-one, right? I think uh, he's twenty-two. Yeah. Did he? Was his birthday over the summer? Uh, we should know. This. My large adult baby okay. boy. But the point, the point well, yeah. is like. He, a super young Porzingis, like a college age Porzingis, and uh, Carmelo Anthony on the wrong side of thirty, is not like isn't like like it's just like that's not it's not even comparable to like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen or Shaq and Kobe. Like it's not even comparable. And Shaq in his prime, in his best years, where he was just like a, like a, a minor day. Like you can't really compete. Like you can't really compare them. Right. At all. Right. It's totally different. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it was. See, I think I was reading. Um. I, I probably wasn't getting the full quote out of it all, but my kind of thing was the way I read it was that Shaq was kind of blaming uh, the reason why uh, Porzingis and the team wasn't able to function in that in that system because it was because they were millennials. <laughs> and that the system was just like it was just based around this ideology. Uh, ideology. Oh my god, I can't talk today. 
that, uh, that they're not going to spread the ball around and that millennials don't want to spread the ball around because everyone wants to play alpha. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just disappointed in Shaq for that alone. And it's just like, I, I mean, I get the argument if he's trying to say that they're young and they wouldn't know to spread the ball this way and maybe that they're young and that they haven't had a chance to show that they can be the guys so they're not willing to spread the ball so much. Kind of like Kyrie, I guess. You know, now that he's been there and he's been this, you know, the ISO player, he's willing to spread things around a little bit more. I guess maybe that's what he's saying, that these guys don't know to have that mentality that they've gotten their fill and now it's time to share. Um, or if it's just him commenting on the entire generation. The world will never know. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous for him to just cherry pick this. He's obviously going to defend Phil, but to what point? I mean, nobody really runs the triangle at this juncture of, um, or at this time at all. Like, like I elements, don't understand but... what motivated him. I don't understand what motivated him to make these comments. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't even know. It's just that time of year. Anyway, and yeah, like Golden State runs those principles, uh, triangle principles, but right. nobody yeah. runs the flat-out Phil Jackson-style offense that he was a part of. So, like the game's changed flat-out. I, I don't know why Shaq doesn't really understand that. Yeah, it's it's wild. I. Anyway, I don't know. Should we focus more on the Knicks here? Yeah. Let's let's stay away from uh, the retired and let's look towards the present. Uh, we've got a game coming up on Thursday. First game of basketball that will be a real basketball in a long time for our New York Knicks. It's been a lot of roster change. Most notably, Carmelo Anthony will be playing against us in this game. So who's, uh, who's guarding Melo? How are they going to do? Whoever it is is going to be awful. I mean, the Knicks don't have any plus defenders. What well, do you think it's going to be? Are they going to stick like Porzingis on him right away? Like probably to start, but is like is he going to cover him for most of the game? Is it going to be Lance Thomas? Do you think Courtney Lee will get some of that assignment? Even though Courtney Lee will probably get brutalized, but you know. Well, I guess it's probably going to be Porzingis because Hornacek's going to start a traditional center. He's not going to put KP at the five, mm. and Carmelo's most likely going to play the four. So we're going to see Chris Evans guarding Melo, and that. I mean, it should be fun, but probably not for more than, like, three or four possessions. Yeah, um, that's yeah, exactly this exactly the same thing. Because any this league, like, is probably the best defender on the team. He's going to be busy with, uh, with Paul George. So, like, you can't, I mean, either way, like, we don't have, like, we just don't have... Yeah, like the Knicks just don't have the defensive capabilities. Yeah, like I think I, I'm concerned about. Like, I'm concerned about uh, like it's it's like we got we got Courtney Lee who can lock up Paul George. We got Porzingis, I guess for the most part, who can lock up Melo. And if he's really cooking, you can stick Lance Thomas on him to slow him down a little bit if possible. Um, they're good buddies and all. I don't know how that would go though. But then the other thing you're not kind of worrying about here is Russell Westbrook who is just bound to put on a show on us so there's no that's all the defenders that we have right there this screen it's always yeah, gonna go ahead Ty. I'm sorry no, I just want to say that's the problem the Knicks have with every team that they face that you don't have a point guard who can defend so I guess uh, there's a huge yeah 
Yeah, and this is the type of matchup that screams KP is going to get in foul trouble early because yes. he obviously like he can't stick with Carmelo and if Russ and if um, Russ is attacking the basket as frequently as he did last season, KP is just going to rack up fouls. He will um, play one half of this game be before be ridiculous. He will foul out. Foul out. Play like twenty six minutes and foul out. Like He's making it six minutes into the third attack. quarter. Realistically, he'll make it like six minutes into the third quarter before you just can't play him anymore. And then maybe save that. He'll get five by that point at least. Well, what um, do you think the Knicks should do to like try to, I guess, wear down Mallow so he's not just? I mean, can you maybe stop him? Like I, it's got to be a team thing. I think you got to kind of like let whoever's defending the perimeter primarily whoever's if he's more outside then i guess it's got to be like you know courtney lee on him just kind of trying to keep him on the perimeter because that's where i feel most comfortable with him but if he gets inside he's just going to have a day the knicks have no interior defenders i think kylo quinn other than porzingis is probably the biggest the best uh interior defender and i think kylo quinn's probably even our best post defender right now yeah um, it stinks that we're thinking about how Yokum Noah can come back and affect the defense. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like we're at that point. Oh man. Um. So, all right, we're talking about KP on defense guarding up Mello, but what kind of a breakout do you think he's really going to have this year? Altogether, if he, is he coming out more on the defensive end even further? Is he going to become a more well-rounded offensive player? What do we? What should we expect to see? We should definitely be able to expect both. He should definitely take strides on both ends of the court. You do worry that the um, players that he's surrounded with on the defensive end are going to force him to protect the rim, which is going to be an issue because he'll rack up fouls, like I said earlier. But if he's um, playing further away from the basket on offense, it's going to be better for his game. He strives on the face-up, crossover dribble, and whether he's going around dudes that are um, larger than him, or if he's simply shooting over the dudes that are just tall or shorter than him, but still skinny, um, he really succeeds that way. And you just kind of hope that dudes like Session, Baker, Nilakina get him in his spots. Yeah, I'm really, you know, mainly I think mainly I think we should see. It's more more the offense going through Porzingis since it's it's clear it's clear now that he's going to be the lead of the team. Even though we do have Tim Hardaway, who had he had a pretty he had a pretty damn good he had a pretty decent um, preseason. Porzingis not too much, but still like he's like it's I guess I guess when said he's the man, it's his team. I think I'm gonna, we're going to look for him, see him more like. Close to the basket. I really, I'm really hoping that's what he's been doing, broken up all summer. Ty, you said he, uh, Tim Hardaway's been looking pretty good in preseason. What's what's standing out to you? Well, like I'm looking at his basketball little GM who had the, well, even just looking at the games, he was on fire from three at points. Like even though we lost all five games, it might not be, you know, like, that's the only one of the few silver linings. But yeah, he was on he was on fire for three. Like his three point percentage for the preseason was forty three percent, and it's, it's just his field goal percentage was he was shooting over five hundred. And yeah, it's preseason. We played the the, the Nets twice, but still, that's that always feels great to see. 
mean, that's always like that. That's really awesome because he got overpaid, almost averaged 18 points, and we're gonna need that. So I'm so really the shooting, the shooting the entire preseason. I was I was I was fairly happy with. I guess that's the big yeah, he, thing. Yeah, he was borderline 50, 40, 90, I believe. I think he just missed it with free throws. I think his free throws yeah. are 90. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, 83 percent. So yeah, if he stays super, I mean, you don't really expect 50, 40, 90 from him for a whole season. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so as long as he can stay efficient, that's good enough for us. Yep. Um, I know we haven't seen much from Frank throughout the preseason. Um, but there's a very interesting point guard situation going on in New York right now. Um, I'm not going to even say bad because I do believe in Frank and I do think that he, he could be the best player to come out of that lottery, arguably the best player to come out of that lottery. That's a, that's a lofty goal, but with what he's got to go up against the going into the season, starting off, what, at what point do you think he starts to show some strides? Well, I think you said it yourself, just like just how you described the situation is interesting. You described it like like you're coming home from a bad date, and yes, you're like, wow, well, she was interesting. You know, <laughs> we got Moon Sessions and Jared Jack. Jared Jack is playing like he plays like an old man. You know, like he really shouldn't be like he he plays like he shouldn't be averaging more than five to eight minutes per game. Like he's just bad. Moon Sessions just. I, I just don't like him. And I think he needs those reps against against starters. So I think it's not too long. If he doesn't start Monday, I'd say give it give it uh, I give it ten games at, at the most. You think that early he like, should be starting? Yeah, yeah, I really do. Cause, I mean, why not? Unless he's still nursing the injury. My concern with that whole thing is I'm I'm at the point where I just know that this season's going to be lost anyway. So I, I I would rather not burn Frank out from the start. I'd rather burn out Ramon Sessions or you know uh, Jarrett Jack or even you know Ron Baker or something like that. Um, I I would much or I, is Trey Burke playing in uh, Westchester now? He didn't make I don't think right. they signed him. Yeah, so I don't think they signed him, but they have his rights. Okay. So yeah, I, I would rather burn out any of those guys before I burn Frank out. I think I would want to give him a couple of games just to gel. I mean, this is basically all just speculating because we we really have seen so little of him playing. But I don't know, Trey. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, like Ty said, I think he should kind of. Um, assume the starting position probably no less than a month into the season. I do agree that we shouldn't burn him out. He's clearly shown that he's a bit injury prone and you can either chalk that up to him just flat out being injury prone or that he is on the heels of a full season because he didn't end his season last year um, until the draft or so. Yeah, he, Um, he flew back right after even. So yeah, if he's gonna take it slow in the beginning because he still recover, he never really had a summer off. I'm fine with that. I don't think he's necessarily injury prone, but yeah, if you can start him, say before Thanksgiving, I'm all mm. for it. 
Yeah, interesting timelines. I, 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 it's so hard to quantify. I would say Thanksgiving's probably a fair point. If he's showing like he's a world beater from the start, and it's, especially if he can be defensively sound, um, then I feel much more confident about starting him, even if his offense takes a while to come around, or if his playmaking takes a little while to come around. Um, if he can help us on that end of the floor, I'd, I'd like to see... I'd like to see him show that he can really be superb there this season, if nothing else. Um, yeah. yeah, I definitely think I definitely think he has the potential to be able to guard one through three. Like I think that's within his skill set, considering how long and tall he is. Even though he is listed as a point guard, um, if he can just come on the court and defend um, three positions, I'm totally fine with that as a role player. Like, even if that is his um, ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. A couple of other new faces coming in this year. Uh, obviously, we're going to be playing against Mello on Thursday, so we had to get something in return there. And we got the lofty contract of Ennis Cantor and Doug McDermott back from Oklahoma City. They're, by all accounts, they seem ready to... They seem willing to contribute to the team. They seem excited to be here, which I guess is always good to see as a fan. Uh, what do you think their role is kind of going to develop into as the season goes on? Ty? Okay. Um, well, from what I mean, well, Cantor played a lot this preseason. Now, no, just because. Uh, Ornstek wanted to see him, see what he, you know, see what he can do, and like as a member of the team, or if it's because he actually likes him as a player. And I don't dislike Cantor as a player. I really like, I really like how he can score on the inside. I really, I really do enjoy, enjoy his offensive presence as a five. So I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna start. He's gonna be the traditional center, like you said. He's gonna start, and. You know, William O'Quinn and anyone else who wanted minutes at the five is just gonna have to wait. You know, just bear with it, everything. Um, McDermott, um, oh, man, he's a like he's a three he's a three and D guy with with no D. So I guess we're just gonna look at him to be a, a, a shooter off the bench, like not much different. He's passed. Yeah, I mean, Chris Stapps with shooters is definitely dangerous. Like, just none other than if he can work an inside game at all and he can play inside out, having McDermott on the floor with him definitely helps that aspect of it, of his game. But the thing is, I don't like Cancer and KP on the floor at the same time. That just, I mean, yeah. that, it's interesting. I kind of feel like they might balance each other a little bit on the court together. Um, it, it will be, a, it's definitely going to be a bit of an awkward fit, but just thinking like kind of, you know, with Canner's inside game and yeah. all right, I, I think it might work like this. It will give Porzingis the ability to develop his perimeter skills a little bit better. Um, and it's going to work from mid range because Cantor will be clogging up the middle for sure. But KP is still going to be relied down there for some defense. Um, and it'll kind of show him how to stretch a little bit with, like, an actually gifted offensive center, which the Knicks haven't had in a while. 
which could be a good tool for his development, but it's not really the main thing that he should be focusing on. You know, you really want to see him more in the post and working on his skills down there. So I, I would like to see samples of them playing together at least. Maybe it's like a start and a quick pull for Cantor, but um, I think they could benefit each other, but it definitely should not be the number one option. Um, yeah. It's so crazy that he is perhaps their second best player. Perhaps. Him or Tim Hardaway Jr.? It's a strong perhaps. It's, I would say he's got, he's definitely got as good of a shot as anybody on the roster, but if he shows that like what he did in Oklahoma City only really was going to work there and only really work in that role, then I think that people will be quick to give up on him, especially since he's being paid so much money. That's kind of just what Knicks fans know to do at this point. Give up on players making a lot of money. Yeah. Yep. Feel that. Anyway, um, so you got Canner potentially starting. You got McDermott coming off the bench and providing some offense. Uh, there's also a lot of return guys this year. Uh, a lot of guys who have been with us for a little bit now. You get you know Kuz and uh, Lance Thomas and a couple of others to name a few. What do you guys see among like what's going to happen with their roles? Are they gonna who's gonna like feel the most regression? I guess out of those guys. Well, that's a good question. Number one, well, number one, I'm thinking Noah. Like, I don't see why he should. <laughs> I agree with you like, in the in the point that like I think that Noah should. I think that Noah should have a reduced role, and he's gonna have a reduced role. But they're I don't think that the Knicks organization are gonna reduce him, uh, in that kind of capacity. Really, to me, I think the guy who's gonna take the biggest hit is Kylo Quinn. Mm, There's just no yeah, minutes down yeah. low. Yeah, I think he'll be the odd man out in the big rotation. Probably. I think it'll, it'll like probably... Yeah, go ahead. I think I think they're trying... I think one thing that... I don't know, maybe it's an idea. Maybe it was just something that we've been throwing around. Is that they're going to try to showcase like some of... Like a big that they want to get rid of. You know? You just give them more minutes until they can get someone... Until they can, I guess, trade them away for anything. Because it's just so clogged up, and there's just no minutes. And a lot of those good, a lot of those guys, they have, they could have role, except for Noah, he's untradeable with the contract. But a lot of them could play decent roles. Like you, I mean, I see, I see on Twitter sometimes he's saying, "Wow, Kyle Quinn might actually be a decent role player," but like he's just on the Knicks. And you know how I feel about Quinn's thing. Like you know, I will stand by this. That he turns into LeBron James for 15 seconds every, every game. game. Every game. Every game. Every game. Every game, yeah, yeah, I might you might make like a LeBron James mistake, but it, it's still LeBron James for the seconds. But, but I think, yeah, I, I think one one thing that's gonna happen is like something's gonna like they're gonna, I guess, uh, leave the large jam by like showcasing somebody someday who's, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I think you know the biggest need is like a point guard who can hold that in the middle for right now and play some defense. Because I, I think if we had, in an ideal situation, you look at Frank, and like we were talking about before, he, uh, you know, that he could be starting within the first, you know, by Thanksgiving, so within the first 20 games or so. But I'm, I'm 
thinking that if the Knicks can try to pull off a trade and try to get you know some kind of point guard to hold down the middle, defensively minded or so, um, you know that that that's probably the best use of one of those bigs going towards. And you know it it just depends on how good you want that point guard to be right now. You know, do you end up moving? Um, oh, Quinn, you end up trying. You can't move Noah, but you end up trying to move Billy in that case. How much market would there be for Cantor or something like that? I think Cantor is the one that you can definitely um, shop around and showcase, like Ty said, because he's a dude that can go out there and get 20 and 10 for almost month-long stretches. He demonstrated that, and I believe it, um, before Oklahoma City and Utah. So, like, dude's super talented. He just is an awful defender. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So like he, yeah, just coming off the bench too. So kind of, kind of going off all that with Noah coming back after a few games, um, he's obviously going to have a reduced role. I don't think anyone really wants to see him start. I think everyone knows that the starters moving <laughs> forward are either going to be one of Billy or Cantor. So where's that kind of leave him? What's what's he become? How many minutes is he going to end up seeing? Uh, too many. I hope he sees all 48 from the bench. Oh, <laughs> oh the birthday shot. It's just, he can be good. It's, the Knicks just have too many other pieces I would rather than play over him. There's definitely a chance where he's a scrappy defender who, like, gets the crowd behind him. But... You don't want him playing long stretches of minutes for your basketball team in 2017 after all these injuries. Right. And he's just not worth it. Right. He can't play long just, stretches like that. I think he's starting to realize. He's got to realize that at this point, too, right? Like, that he just can't. He can't log starters, not even just, like, minutes, but just the amount of, like, stretches, the amount of shifts, the length of shifts that they have on the court. It's It's got – I think he, yeah, def- scrappy, defensive – spot minutes i think there could be a, a an actual real role him for him uh in this in this uh team for him he's a big like, I don't know, he's just a big weight on the team until we figure out what they want to stretch his contract package him with somebody else to just get rid of um and that's he's a handicap yeah Realistically, like though, how long until you think they'd feel comfortable with stretching that contract? He'd have to play through this season, probably next too, I would think. Because that's still that's what's he make like seventeen five a year, something like that. Oh, like oh that, dear God! I know, like that's so much <laughs> to stretch. And then that's just putting Noah on your books for like four more years. That it's just. I have no Such idea a bad how it contract. works against the cap. Oh yeah, without a doubt. There's a, there's still a couple from that. Or is that only last? Wow, that's only last summer. There's a couple from last summer that are just awful, and yeah. unfortunately, was, the Knicks have one of them. It was literally not not this summer, the summer before. Like that's insane to me. I feel like Noah has been. You know why? It's because Noah's been like, we haven't seen a period where there's not a bad Knicks contract on the books in. God damn it! It's got it. I don't. I couldn't even tell you how long. 
like a bad Knicks contract. Yeah, like was how it, long has it been since we haven't had a a, mm. a bad Knicks contract? Right before Amari signed, I we, would guess. We still had Eddie Curry on the books. Okay, so then before that was probably Jerome James. Yeah, um, the Isaiah Thomas era is just right off the bat. We got to skip all the way okay. to like two thousand three. Dude, it's 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 like really pitiful that it's there's been one like god awful unmovable contract on the books for years now. I would say I guess the only time that when Amari officially left, what twenty fifteen in February? I think it was. Uh, I want to say so. I, so was it that short four month period before Noah got signed? Oh, no, that no, was no, no, because that I'm was sorry. a year. So I guess the Knicks truly had a year off, but even at that point, Melo's contract was starting to look not great either. And I think Bargnani was still oh, there. fuck me. Was Barg still there? Yeah, I think Ty said that earlier. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I missed <laughs> I, that. I'm sorry, I didn't want to bring it up. I, I, I sorry, sorry, it. I just missed you. God damn. No, so, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's all right, Ty. It extends our streak of bringing up Bargnani on, like, 18 <laughs> straight podcasts now. <laughs> I wish I didn't. I could try to block it out. Let's hope you didn't. No, it's it's just out, it's outrageous. Like I I never honestly sat down and thought about this until now. But yeah, there's. I wonder how it stacks up against other teams. I this is this is just incredible. You know what's crazy? What's that? Everyone was so afraid that the Knicks were going to sign Dwight Howard, and he was just going to have this huge monster contract. Would you rather? Would you rather, right now? He's uh, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> like, do you, like, do you still think it's as bad looking? I would rather three years. I honestly, yeah. well, when when we were gonna sign Dwight was that 20, 2014? No, I think it was like just just I last. Was oh, the, oh, before his most recent contract. I mean, like this one. They just yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I would still rather have Dwight Howard on his current contract than uh, Joakim Noah on his current on his current contract. Without well, a doubt, yeah, because it's still a bigger it's a bigger cap hit, but it's just so much I mean, more production. That one year, yeah, just even cap wise, I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, it's a little more, but, yeah. it's, but I mean, time, like, I, I just mean you look at production per dollar in that situation, yeah. you just no uh, Howard just way outweighs Noah. The other thing is, I think the thing that we're not really thinking about is um, Dwight is such a bad locker room dude, and I haven't heard much <laughs> or if any negative locker room talk about Joakim Noah, or if it's just so far under wraps at this point that we don't know about it. Like, that might be something we find out after Noah is gone, but... Yeah. Yeah. Teammates hate Dwight. It's so weird. It's like not his public persona at all. You think he would know how to treat, I guess, his teammates a little better. Yeah, I have no idea what it is. It's it's very bizarre. It is. Um, all right, so we kind of teased on this a second ago, but um, we kind of talked about who might be the movable. But what do you guys think is like the Knicks' biggest asset right now outside of draft picks? Like obviously their pick this year is probably their most valuable piece to move, but outside of that, um, and I guess Kristaps, obviously, yeah, and Kristaps. So, I guess outside of those two are really the only two untouchable things. What else is really most tradable, and would you can you see them moving it? Well, damn, is this Enos Cantor again? <laughs> it might. I mean, 
If that's the case, then well, hell yeah. I think I think Willie is the most attractive to people like from the outside. And, like after seeing how my how little the Knicks got in that mellow trade, they might try to entice them with some with some I don't know, with, with some crap with a crap deal. Like oh man, I see you got log jam with your centers over there. And like seeing how little the time when he's getting and like like I mean you could just I mean you just persuade I mean you could just at least try and persuade the Knicks front office out of Willie. And because I mean he's a nice young he's a nice young guy. Yeah, I mean I he's got a lot of value to a lot of teams. That's why I kinda of wonder like right now whose value is higher, if it's his or if it's Neil Aquinas. Um I'm probably gonna say Neil Aquinas, but I think uh, Billy is still a really intriguing prospect. Um, Billy's played in the league too, is the thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the other part. Yeah, uh, and the contract is like that. You get the rights to sign him too. Yeah, yeah. Billy's got a, a gorgeous contract pick. too. That's that's the whole a... thing with him is like I think that that's why the Knicks are gonna hold on to him more than anything if they're smart at least. And I kind of have a little bit more faith in the new front office. Um. But I, I think that, yeah, they know what a good contract he's on and how easy it'll be to retain him for a long time. And so I I, I think it's going to be tough to convince them to move it. But at the same time, I could also see not being surprised by him just being a throw-in in some larger deal at some point. Because we never know a good thing until it's gone. Oh, don't <laughs> say it, man. Don't say it. Not my other large adult son. Dude, I know. Uh, um, but I, I guess like what? Think, yeah, go ahead. All right, but we know we had like last season we had this big thing about like how are like we just both like Willie and, and Willie and Porzingis like we're like yeah the best buns you know but like if if we're thinking of Porzingis going to the five like we were thinking how is that like how is like how are they gonna do with how are they gonna do with Ernie Gomez how are they gonna do with and then Gomez, like, at the five, where they're going to stagger. Now we have even more of Logjam. But they're yeah. still with, um, until Venus Cantor and uh, Joe Kim Noah. So it's even worse, so. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think he'd be the one to go. I think he, he, could, he could get the most return. Yeah, yes. definitely. If, That's if, a lot if, of money on uh, Cantor's contract, too. I mean, it's not a lot, a lot, but it's, Right, but he's also got that coming to him next year too. So, like that's yeah, a tough part. Next year though, he'll be expiring is, next year, but that doesn't really do a lot for us to move him during this trade deadline. Correct. Um, which is yeah the bigger problem if they want to shed that weight right away. But well, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, what about like Courtney Lee or some of the some of the bench guys? How likely? Do you think you see those guys going? Are they is like Courtney Lee more demanding a trade, or is the Knicks looking to move him? Perhaps a little bit of both. For whatever reason, Courtney Lee never stays on a team for very long. I don't know if that's his being, or if that's he actively gets shopped and gets put in wrong situations. But if you just pay Tim Hardaway that much, um, do you expect him to start playing small forward, or do you think Courtney Lee starts playing small forward? Because clearly you're all in on Hardaway Jr. being on the roster. So mm-hmm. so now you have a question, because Courtney Lee is kind of a legitimate starting shooting guard in this league right now. 
Yeah, he's he's workable. It's. I think I think also with him, he's he's got to try. He's got to be looking out for, yeah, who's going to be contending. Like he's got he's at what point is he going to try to latch on with a team to win it? Has he won a title yet? No, I think he lost in Orlando. Okay, he wasn't with Boston in two thousand eight, was he? I do not believe so. I can get on that though. Well, regardless, you know he's getting he's getting up there. And I'm sure he wasn't expecting to win this closely when he, you know, when he signed on a few years back. But he's got, uh, I, I think he's kind of seeing that he, he doesn't have a huge role left on this team. It's definitely not going to be the role he anticipates. And it's going to be a while before that really amounts to anything. So I don't really see him long for this entire season. Uh, I, I like him. I like him as a nigga. I like yeah, how me too. Like, he took a lot of control. Like this preseason, just seeing him out there, he's the main guy who knew what was going on. Um, I really like him. I think he could, I mean, of all the people that we, we talk about, like leadership and learn, like and young guys learn from the old guys, he's one of the, like, of the guys under, over, over 30. I really like, I mean, just, just, just basketball IQ defense. I really like, I really like Milliken to learn from him. I mean, he's six five. Mm. He's I mean, he's a plus. He's been like he's known as a defender. So I mean, like why not? Like why not? He's got a little ball handling too. He actually might be the best yeah, one to be he, teaching Frank anything on this team. He's under yeah. He's he's underrated. Like say this, but he's underrated. I really like him. Like he's a he's a solid guy. Apparently, I totally Is forgot it, about that stretch where Courtney Lee played for the Rockets and the Nets. And I just immediately assumed he went from the Magic to the Celtics, so he was not on that title team. Am I alone here in thinking Courtney Lee was definitely shorter than six five? No, I, 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 I had him pegged right around there. I I literally thought he was like six three. Like I thought he was a sh- uh, um, a small shooting guard, like a short shooting guard. I had him. And now pre- I'm seeing he's six five. So yeah, I had him kind of marked in my mind as like the prototypical shooting guard size. See, like six five two hundred, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really thought he was like six two six three. I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, that's all right. Apparently, uh, Draymond Green is, uh, you know, six seven six four. Yeah, six, no, five. he's not. He's much shorter than that. He he got all of the inches that Kevin Durant did not list. Because <laughs> Kevin Durant put that he's six foot nine and he's not. He is he's not. He's six like, eleven, yeah. seven foot. He is definitely a, a genuine seven footer. That is wild. Um, he's yeah. the only dude that claims to be shorter than he is. <laughs> I I only, I don't know what it is. He said it was just something like he didn't want to, um, like he didn't he didn't want to be grouped in as something like that when he was coming into the league. Like I guess it was a little different back then. Like if you said you were seven foot, you were automatically just assumed to play center around two thousand seven. And the weird part about that is his rookie year, he played actually, um, he actually played shooting guard. Yeah, because didn't and... didn't uh, Garnett do the same thing? He had like a six eleven. You you listed six eleven because he didn't want to be seven foot. Yeah, he he's actually seven feet tall. He was like the originator of this. Him, yeah. Maybe it's a Kevin thing. I wonder how tall Kevin Love actually is. 
Um, he's, he'll be the third of the, the uh, case study here. Is Kevin Durant everything that Jared Jeffries ever hoped he could be? Oh, this uh, got dark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I just... Wow. The size matches up. They're about the same weight. They're both yeah. lanky as shit. Like... There was a while where Jared Jeffries thought he was a shooting guard, too. I see a lot of what could have been. Speaking of what could have been, Shane Larkin just pulled up in transition from three and totally forgot, one, he was a Celtic, and two, he was still in the league. Welcome back, Shane Larkin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just came back from Jersey. Yeah, I, I, just had, I just had a thought, like, who the fuck are the Nets playing right now? <laughs> yeah, no, he's on. He's on Boston. Look at that. Oh, he was at oh. he was at the jersey reveal. Remember they sent him? Yeah, the yeah, jersey yeah, reveal? yeah. Oh right. man, that was still that's still hilarious. Um, all right, you guys, about ready to wrap this thing up? Got a couple uh, more for you. What's yeah, the? Um, uh, let's get a little abstract here. I want to know what you guys think the key is. To this team taking the next step moving forward it's a big thing that's got to give uh yeah i don't really see i don't foresee an easy journey to get to the next level like i i of all of the tkw staff went the lowest on win totals at 22 so i guess i feel like so what do you think the next I, level is for them eight seed like is that the next level, or is it just being? Well, to, in, in your in your personal opinion, okay, you, you have them wait. You have them at twenty two wins. What is this team from? What this team pegs you as now? What's the next thing that they would have to do? To improve, I mean, obviously they have to hit on a draft pick, being Frank or the next person in this draft, and I guess it's probably going to take. Those two developing plus some type of decent free agent signing. Not even like a high-tier guy, not not a Chris Paul or Steph Curry or... I don't know why I just lumped those two in the same category. Um, not one of them, mm-hmm. but if they can get like a middle-tier guy, KP can continue to develop. Frank is passable, like Dennis Schroeder level maybe. Like not quite an all-star, but could make it in the east mm-hmm. and then you get i don't know porter or Doncic or bagley and they develop to borderline all-star guys and then then you got a 500 record so i guess it if they want to do the quick rebuild thing it's you hope that they hit on uh frank and the next guy and then sign some mid-tier guy I'm not sure exactly who fragrance are going to be next year but mm-hmm. i guess that's the quick quick rebuild the quick fix or so uh, as for me um next step well i mean if we're calling this the bottom is it, it sure does feel like it um i say i'd say like shaving off like getting rid of this even just waiting out these bad contracts it's like keep on i guess get yeah, keep on coming up through like it drafting to the draft and maybe the next step the next step is having is 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 a, is a, is a team that has more good contracts more i guess more 
let's 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 joking Noah Enos Cantor type of deals and like it's like it actually has sought after players. That's what I'm just trying that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I got you. It, it sounds like, yeah, it, it sounds like from, from my point of view hearing you guys say that, sounds like management is kind of the biggest thing here. It, it's all, it's going to be all about how the team is going to run itself and, you know, make it, we've made some good decisions at this point in time and how we handle, you know, what those decisions will give us moving forward is going to be how, uh, how we're going to have to deal with this. So, um, I guess on that note, how confident do you guys feel in uh, in what management's going to be doing this season and afterwards? Uh, about a scale of one to ten. Yeah, yeah that five. works. Give me give me one to ten. Uh, maybe maybe one to five is better. So I'm gonna I'd say like a four. All right, that's fair. But that's fair. One to five. One to five would be. Just a two. Because Metal Deal really, really had, really had me bummed out. Oh shit, that was a four on a scale of ten? Yeah. Okay. That was a four out of five. <laughs> oh. I was like, wow, that's confident. I was like, wow, that's, yeah, that's surprising four, from Ty. Uh, no, I, yeah, you know, I just have so much hope in James Dolan doing <laughs> <my> thing. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I, I think that even a four for you is not bad. I think that's kind of being optimistic, so. Um, yeah. Trey, one to ten. I was actually going to go higher than the four. I was above five, like a six, six and a half or so. Yeah. Because Scott had a really good reputation in the very short stint he had in Sacramento, and when he was signed there, or when the Knicks signed him out of Sacramento, people were saying non-Knicks people were saying that oh, that's like a really good signing, whatever. Mm. And I think he handled the Melo situation fine from the perspective of did like from the perspective of he placated to the player, and I think um, players have more power than they've ever had in the NBA. Right. So I like that, and I think it kind of makes the Knicks a desirable destination. So I am a little bit confident that he's doing what's right, and Clarence Gaines is still on staff, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, from for scouting. And he's a dude that's picked up these European gems. So with that combination, I would go like six, six and a half, which I, I said very nice words. And then I was like, yeah, it's only a six or a six and a half. So it's good, but not great. Well, you know what? It's, I'm going to hop. I'm hopping like right along with that. Honestly, that's, that's pretty much where I would pigeonhole myself to. I think wearily hopeful is where we're sitting. Like, I don't think these are the guys who can drive us to a championship, but I'm skeptically optimistic that they can get us to a point where, you know, we can maybe outgrow them at least and move up into the next, you know, with the next leader who might actually be able to make the decisions that are championship worthy. I, I yeah. guess. That's a very, that's very abstract. <laughs> I do feel like we keep hurting ourselves. We get our hopes mildly yeah, up. Like that's six a, and a half isn't very high, but that's higher than we've been in quite some time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That is more confidence than I've ever had in Phil Jackson during his tenure, besides maybe the first like two months he was here. 
before I realized he really didn't know anything. Um, I would yeah, say that right. that's more yeah. that's more faith than I've ever put in Derek Fisher as the head coach at any point. Uh, that's more faith than I've ever put in, obviously, Kurt Rambis as a coach. Um, and that's, I, a, that's another thing. Yeah. Sorry, that's another thing that makes me not hopeful. Kurt Rambis still has a place. Yeah. There will always be Kurt Rambis. All right. Um, final thoughts here. The end. The season's beginning. Once we get to the end of it, how far in the lottery are we going to be? Top three. Top three? Oh, wow. Ah, I don't know. He's, he's uh, got to be terrible. Um, thinking, are we go? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead, Doug. No, go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thinking out loud, Chicago should definitely be worse. Yes. Atlanta should definitely be worse. Yes. And then it gets tricky. Yes. Because Indiana, Miles Turner is a fantastic talent, and if you take... Miles Turner off that team, and you take Chris Stapps off the Knicks. Those rosters, I really don't know who's better. Um, then you have Orlando. Orlando is absolutely awful, but they have some intriguing pieces. That and Frank Vogel's like a decent coach, at least. Orlando will be worse. I feel confident in that. I I would bet that they were, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on it. I would say. And then, like, it's Brooklyn, who they're playing for literally nothing. They have a coach that knows what he's doing, it seems. And they just have a misfit cast of players. And I think D'Angelo Russell is probably going to take a step. I think Ronda Hellas Jefferson can take a step. And then after that, I really don't know what they have. They have Alan Crabb. He could take a step. So they should be worse than the Knicks, but I wouldn't be surprised. If they were, um, if they were better, well, they're out there playing for pride. So I guess that's like they got that mentality where you know your back's against the wall. So it is out. Yeah, they exactly. They had a good preseason, so well, and mostly besides that last like getting slaughtered by the Wizards that last game. I think we're gonna end up with like the eighth pick all over again. Oh, yeah, man, I can't do that. That sounds about. That sounds I, about I, right. I just. Like, th- I don't think they're going to be that bad. Like I don't think the record is going to be. I don't think I'm not at like 22 wins where Trey is. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think they'll be closer to 30 or 32. Um, and I, I think that's good enough to get you some, you know, some shit points. Um, and yeah, I think that even the lottery balls will fall right in our favor. There'll be however many like can't miss prospects there are in this coming draft it'll be whatever that number is plus one and that's our draft position okay i think six yep as long as there's five really good players then i can sure see six yeah really oh man that seems to be how it always works yep wow yeah it's got really good yep all right well um Thank you guys for answering some burning questions on my mind to begin the season and hopefully on the mind of all of our listeners and readers as well. So thank you boys for coming on. Get well soon, Gordon Hayward. Get well soon, Gordon Hayward. Non, non-Knicks related, but injuries suck no matter who it is. 
I hope there's an injury-free season from here on out. Because yeah. obviously there's been injuries already. That was and that's a brutal injury. Quick recovery, Nikola Miritich. Yeah. <laughs> Take oh, your time man. on that one. I don't, oh, I don't give a shit about that. I'm not gonna yeah. wish a guy well for getting punched in the face in the locker room fight. He probably deserved it. Yeah, about that life, Bobby Portis. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's all I'm calling him from now on because <laughs> clearly about that life. Uh, Ty, you want to plug yourself? Hard? Oh, how oh, hard? Yeah, I mean, just like the, just like the four, like the, the like, like how he hard bludgeoned you him. Like that's the, that's the word we have to use. Like what kind of Bobby punch, Port? Like what kind? What he is, bludgeoned him with his fist. Like, dude, like that's not a regular punch. You just. What like, does Bobby oh, Portis' man. fist look like? How big is this guy? You ever so heard this? Have you ever heard this story about Bobby Portis? How he gets amped before games? No, tell me. <laughs> he. <laughs> He apparently tells himself that, like, the opponents, like, make fun of his mother or something, and he gets so mad that he just wants to beat them because he has convinced himself that they have spoken ill about his own mother, which is a very weird way to do things, wow. but that's the guy that punched somebody out. So I'm not necessarily surprised, unless, Bobby, you're listening to this. You are a great person. I'm a big Bobby Portis fan. <laughs> I like I like him cha- I like him channeling his inner Ron Artest. I like I like that. Enjoy that. Bobby Portis is six eleven and two hundred and forty six pounds. And, and like Nicole Mirotic is a huge man as well. Yeah. And he knocked lights out. That's ridiculous. Like I feel like Mirotic just has that. Where, where is he from? Montenegro. Montenegro. Yeah, he has that Montenegrin strength where he is just like able to he's just got like that that weird european strength it's something else it's like pekovic has it uh miritich has it you just i you just don't mess with those guys and bobby portis put it right back in his fucking face yeah he portis has only got 10 pounds on miritich yeah like this my portis is from little rock arkansas oh Oh, little i hear little rock everyone's about that life in little rock that's a thing must have skipped by Derek Fisher, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Ty, you want to plug yourself? Okay, okay yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Ty Jordan, a site writer for the next wall, a.k.a. definitely not Ty on Twitter, a.k.a. Scampaign Poppy on Instagram, a.k.a. Master Jordan, a.k.a. the Musulman Muscle Man, a.k.a. the Black Jalapeno, A.K.A. Tico Suave. Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> Thank that you, Ty. That is better than the Jesus Amaro intros. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is oh, already man. up on Bobby Portis's Wikipedia page. Um, oh, no. I want to read Whoa. this as the outro of the show tonight. On October 17th, 2017, <laughs> Portis and his teammate when Nikola Miritich were engaged yeah. in an altercation with each other during one of their last practices before the start of the season. During the altercation, Portis landed a cheap shop on Miritich, uh, which, lead, which led to him going to the hospital for a concussion and multiple fractures on his face. This Ooh. incident led to Portis being suspended for the start of the season. Ty, Trey, thanks for coming on. Okay. Thank you. Good news. Thanks. See you later.